When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the week two edition of the No Fall Weddings podcast from the Fan First Sports Network. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by the West Coast Bureau Chief for the Fans First Sports Network. I guess I can't really say that since I'm not in charge of the entire Fans First Sports Network, Jamie, but I'm going to dub you that anyway. Uh, Jamie Urich is coming to us from Los Angeles. Jamie, how are you? I'm great. I'm I'm feeling a little gloaty with you, Matt, after... I know last week's episode so i'm doing great how are you doing i'm doing well look you were vehement that colorado was going to beat tcu i told you that there was no way in hell that was going to happen and you of course as always were right um i probably would have felt a lot worse had duke not beaten clemson on monday night because that just made everything better because as an ohio state fan we are both ohio state grads clemson sucks and i i said last week how much i disliked clemson just in general, and it was absolutely marvelous to see them go down as horribly as they did on Monday night, even though if I'm being quite honest, I'm not sure that Duke was actually better than them. Clemson just made a lot of ill-timed errors, but it was still fun as hell to see Clemson lose by, was it 21, 25 points, whatever it ended up being. So that was a delight and made any really bad predictions in terms of Colorado and TCU feel much better for me, Jamie. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling better. I just, I want the record to show that you laughed at me. I did. There was laughter. Literal laughter. But I had the last laugh at the end of the day. You did. You did. And we texted throughout the game and uh, you were right. I was wrong. I Look, I have no shame in admitting when I am wrong because it happens more times than I am right. So... That was from our first episode for week one. We are diving into week two. How we do this is we're going to run through every window of college football throughout the course of the weekend. And we're going to each pick one game that we specifically recommend that you watch. In an effort of full disclosure here, some of these windows this weekend might not have more than one game that are actually worth watching, but we're going to do it anyway. And then we're going to run through everything else of note in that specific window to make sure that you have all of the information you need to plan out your specific college football watching weekends of course if somebody scheduled a wedding for this weekend you are not obligated to go if you need somebody to write you a note i will happily do that all right jamie so let's dive in and i want to kind of group these games together because there are actually three games that happen before saturday generally we get all the maction and everything happening later in the in the fall but we have three games in fact one kicking off on thursday we have murray state versus Louisville at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night on the ACC Network. Then on Friday, we have a Hoosier State battle with the uh, Indiana State Sycamores taking on the Indiana Hoosiers at 7 p.m. on BTN. And then Illinois versus Kansas at 7.30 on ESPN2. I'm not going to ask you to pick one of these games because there's only three and most of them are garbage, but I am actually interested in 
Kansas and Illinois a little bit, Jamie, because we know that uh, that Illinois had to hold on and have a, a, a late field goal to beat Toledo. Kansas beat Missouri State. It was 48 to 17, but it's Missouri State. But like for a Friday night, a game on at 730 on a Friday night, like I think that's interesting enough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I would watch it. Like both of these teams seem to be fairly evenly matched, which like at the end of the day, that's a generally a good football game. Like even if the two teams are kind of middle of the road, if they're well matched with each other, like we saw with Colorado and TCU, like that was a phenomenal football game. It's fun to watch. I'm into it. The teams don't actually have to be good for it to be a good football game, or at least an entertaining one. So I will probably be checking that one out as I'm doing all of my prep articles and podcasts for Ohio State stuff over at LandGrantHolyLand.com and the Land Grant Podcast Network. So uh, that will definitely be on on ESPN2 in the background. All right, let's move over to Saturday, and let's run through the early window. Now, this one's a little weird because there are a lot of staggered starts during this early window. It starts off with Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, which might actually be a fairly interesting game. That kicks off at 11 a.m. Eastern time on the ACC network. Then we've got Ball State and number one Georgia at noon on the SEC network. Youngstown State and Ohio State at noon on BTN. Delaware and number seven Penn State at noon on Peacock. Number 10, Notre Dame at NC State at noon on ABC. Number 12, Utah versus Baylor at noon on ESPN. Troy, just some dude named Troy, taking on number 15, Kansas State at noon on FS1. Then at noon on Fox, the big noon kickoff again is Nebraska at number 22, Colorado. I have a feeling we'll be getting back to this one here in a second. Then on the CBS Sports Network, we have Delaware State and Army. Purdue and Virginia Tech at noon on ESPN2. James Madison and Virginia on ESPNU. Then we start to get into some games and like this weird window. Like they've got a couple one o'clock and 1.30 and two o'clock games. Most of them are on ESPN Plus, so we aren't we don't normally dive into those, but I will throw out a 2.15 p.m. kickoff on the ACC network, Charleston Southern and Clemson. Anything after that starts at three. We're gonna put that in the next window. So Jamie. Fairly slim pickings. Obviously, you and I will definitely be watching the Youngstown State and Ohio State game. But for people who are not going to watch what is probably going to be a really not great game there, what should they be tuning into in that early window on Saturday? Here's the thing. I might have been the only person on the planet who thought maybe Colorado could start 2-0. and I didn't see Nebraska starting 0-2, but... You know, it could happen. Oh, yeah. it Yeah, it could definitely happen. I didn't see that. I didn't anticipate that. I thought Nebraska would probably win last week. I think here's the thing, and here's what I like about this matchup. First of all, like Colorado's riding the high, right? In Deion Sanders, I trust. That's going to be my new motto. Now they get to go home, and they get to play at home. And I think the thing that's really fun is that Nebraska is also kind of in a in a season that they're hoping is going to be their turnaround comeback season. And obviously, like it didn't start the way that they wanted it to, but their head coach, Matt Rule, like has a reputation for being able to flip programs around. He did that at Temple. He did that at Baylor he very well could do that at Nebraska. And I think that this is a great game in terms of two pretty evenly matched teams that are trying to prove themselves. 
I do think that Colorado is going to take this one again, because I think they've got momentum and home field advantage on their side. Nebraska's got the odds makers on their side. I don't necessarily agree. TCU had the odds makers on their side too last week. So take that for what it's worth. I am never wrong. I will say, I think depending on where you get the spread and when you get it, because I'm seeing some for Colorado, uh, they have Colorado at minus three and a half. So they are the favorites, um, according to BetMGM, who's who's where I'm looking at right now. So it just depends perhaps on what line you're looking at. but And maybe it's changed throughout the course of the week. But Colorado does seem to be the current betting favorite as we are recording on Wednesday night. But I think like the thing that is fascinating, too, is we watched... Colorado like get in a space so easily against that TCU coverage I think that the Buffaloes are the more athletic team and I think that they have the ability to really like force Nebraska into a throwing match and if that's the case like Shador Sanders is where it's going to land in my opinion Um, he had an all-time record day in for the school for the for Colorado he set the record in his debut on Saturday and so I just think that's where it's going to go he threw for over 500 passing yards I just yeah I think Colorado is going to take this one but I think it's going to be a great football game that's kind of where I'm going to have my eye it's interesting because this is a classic strength on strength game Nebraska last week only allowed 251 total yards to Minnesota. That's half of what Shador Sanders had himself passing. They they allowed 196 yards through the air and only 55 on the ground, 67 sack adjusted. So not a huge difference there. But like you said, Shador Sanders threw for 510 yards and four touchdowns. So this is going to be Nebraska's defense versus Colorado's offense. And perhaps Nary, the two shall meet on the other side because you know, Colorado still gave up 541 yards to TCU last year, uh, last week, and Nebraska they had a, a respectable 295. But it'll be interesting to see how they match up. The offense for Nebraska was awful. They had they had one touchdown in the third quarter. It was the only the only score that they had until late in the fourth. That's not going to be enough, Jamie. But I also wonder if Minnesota's defense is just significantly better than Colorado's and obviously week one maybe you have to get some things worked out especially with a new offense under Matt Rule so I think this game will be competitive I would still certainly never go against Deion Sanders at this point because I don't want him calling me out but uh, I think it'll be competitive I think this will be a really interesting game so I, I I do not think unless you have a rooting interest in something else like we will you are going to be wrong going with Nebraska and Colorado All right, I'm going to go for my game. Man, this is tough because there's just not a lot here. But I'm going to go with Notre Dame and NC State. So Notre Dame is coming off of two back-to-back games where they didn't really play anybody. All, All due respect to the Naval Academy, they're not a very good football team this year. And then last week, Notre Dame played FCS school Tennessee State. They won 56 to 3. On the other side, NC State is coming off a week one win over UConn, 24 to 14. Normally you would say an ACC school like NC State should not have a problem beating UConn, but I actually think UConn's pretty good uh, and could potentially make a bowl game this year under Jim Moore Jr. So I think that win, while not like an incredibly, you know, season defining victory, does say that NC State's competent. 
in a normal window, Jamie, I don't think there's any chance I would pick this game because I don't think it's going to actually be a, like a super entertaining game. But of the slate in this early window, getting an opportunity to see Sam Hartman go up against an actual competent defense and see what he looks like for the first time in a Notre Dame jersey against a team that has even athletes approaching the level of of what he has on his team. I think it'll be interesting. And it is, you know, I mean, Notre Dame opened the season in Ireland, but for the most part, this is their first road game of the year. So I'll take it. I mean, it's not great, but I'll certainly watch it. I think I might have gone Utah and Baylor had Baylor not lost to Texas State last week. At that point, like, even though maybe I can make an argument that, that Baylor is going to be coming back to prove itself and might play better than it did last week. I, I don't know that I can, in good conscience, pick that one. So I'm going to go Notre Dame NC State. Although, if there's no games that really interest you, if you're not interested in Nebraska-Colorado, this might be a time to maybe go get some things done, run some errands, because uh, I don't think anything is must-watch TV in this noon window, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, I do want to just say, like, I think that Notre Dame is one of those teams, and my personal feelings for the fan base of Notre Dame side, they tend to come in to football seasons, like, with pretty high expectations, and then sometimes they meet them or exceed them, and sometimes they, like, really fall short and, like, crash and burn quickly. And I think that this game could be kind of a good indication of whether this is a this is a really good Notre Dame team or like this is a crash and burn Notre Dame team. And so for that perspective, I do like this game. I don't know that it'll be as interesting a football game as Nebraska Colorado. So if you don't have a vested interest in how good Notre Dame may or may not be this year, then like pop on Nebraska Colorado or run to the grocery store would be my recommendation. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're you absolutely right. Last year it happened when they lost to Ohio State and then lost to Marshall and uh, really kind of upended the all of the expectations and the, and the hype around Marcus Freeman's first year in South Bend. But All right, let's go to the 3.30 window now. Let's start off on CBS at 3.30 with UNLV and number two, Michigan. I, Jamie, I I really am incredibly impressed with the Wolverines. I, I cannot believe that they are able to soldier on and continue to play football, which just must seem so meaningless after the loss of their beloved head coach. The strength that they are showing by getting on that football field and holding up four fingers, uh, it's just really shows the depths and the in the actual courage of the human spirit so congratulations to all the wolverines to be able to muster up enough emotional and physical strength to put on a jersey every saturday i I know you're going through a very difficult time thoughts and prayers for the wolverines for sure hashtag thoughts and prayers um over on espn 2 at 330 is number 20 Ole miss and number 24 Tulane. on abc is number 23 texas a&m and miami on fox will be iowa and iowa state good old el asico 
Over on BTN, you have your choice of two different games. The Richmond Spiders, Mother Alpha for my uh, fellow Sig Eps out there, against Michigan State. And then you also have UTEP and Northwestern. There's a number of games going on on various streaming services, ESPN Plus um, and, and some others. And then you have Wagner, or if you're German, Wagner versus Navy on CBS Sportsnet. Kent State versus Arkansas on the SEC Network. Marshall versus East Carolina. That one's at four on ESPNU. And then I guess we can count this one in this window. We have Tulsa and number eight Washington at 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. And then that'll give us one more at 515 Appalachian State and number 17 North Carolina at 515 on the ACC network. Jamie, a little bit better slate here. Where where are you going? Yeah, so I mean, I think the the obvious pick would be 20 Ole Miss at 24 Tulane, but I'm going to take a slightly different um, approach here. And, you know, I, I've i got my eye on that 23 Texas A&M at Miami. I think that this is going to be a really interesting game where, you know, A&M's got a new offensive coordinator in Bobby Petrino. I think that as far as he is concerned, their offense is so able to attack. And we saw, I mean, they played New Mexico in week one. So we're going to take everything that happened with a grain of salt, but their quarterback, Connor Wegman threw five touchdown passes against New Mexico. And I think we got to see little glimpses of what Petrino's trying to do there. There were a lot more downfield plays. They had just a lot more pizzazz and a lot more speed than past Aggie offenses. And so then the question is, is Miami going to be able to deal with it? But where Miami then has something interesting to add to the conversation is that they possibly have two of the best safeties that AM is going to face all year in Cameron Kinchins and James Williams. And their defensive line is obviously going to bring more pressure than New Mexico's did. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. I do think that Miami has the potential to really turn the game just by controlling the pace. And so I think that AM might look like the better team by the end of the game, but I don't know if they will actually win the game. I think what's interesting as we're looking at college football in 2023 is how teams deal with these new clock rules. Um, we saw it all across week one where teams just weren't getting as many possessions as they were used to. They're used to getting 15 to 20 possessions, depending on how quickly they were going. And it was, I mean, in some cases, getting cut in, by a third, by a quarter, by a half, depending on you know how quickly their offense goes. If Miami is able to keep the ball on the ground and to kind of bleed some of that clock and take away some of the offensive firepower that AM has, I think you're right. Like I think we could be looking at this game going, AM is clearly the better team. But the Hurricanes just kind of kept the ball away from them and played keep away. So they might not have as many opportunities to show it. So I think that'll be interesting. I was gonna, I would have gone that game uh, as well, to be quite honest with you. Um, that was the one that I would have kept an eye on. I, I will kind of go alternatively with Ole Miss and Tulane. I love Tulane. I have a Green Wave t-shirt that I wear proudly. I just, ugh, I know it's the ranked on ranked game here, but like, 
I just it, it, I I struggle to believe that Ole Miss is going to really have to fight a ton against Tulane. I will be very happy if I am wrong. And granted, Ole Miss played Mercer last week, but they they won seventy three to seven. They completely dominated that game. They had uh, they went for a total of six hundred sixty six hundred sixty seven yards. Quarterback Jackson Dart threw for three hundred thirty four and four touchdowns on his own, even though he only completed or he only attempted twenty three passes. So I would love to see Tulane do well in that game. Their quarterback, Michael Pratt, was 14 of 15 for 294 yards and four touchdowns on his own against South Alabama. So, like, pretty good passing attacks, but I'm just not sure that the level of competition is going to be enough to keep this game within three scores. So I I will probably keep an eye on that one, but I, I I think I will also be tuning in to El Asico over on Fox. Iowa, Iowa State is always an interesting one. I don't know that it's always a good one, but it's always an interesting one. The Cyclones won last year for the first time in, uh, I think, a, pretty close to a decade. Uh, first time since, yeah, 2014. But most of these games are within a score or two. 2021 was 10 points for Iowa. 2019, they didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. 2019 was one point. 2018 was 10 points. 2017 was was a field goal in overtime. So like a lot of these games recently, even though Iowa State has only won once and it was in 2022, have been close games. So we'll see if if Iowa can score 25 points, if Brian Ferentz can hit his 25-point threshold for the first time in the season. But to be quite honest with you, I'll probably be rooting for the Cyclones, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. It's an interesting thing to root for. <laughs> a Cyclone? Well, just any team from Iowa in general. Like I, just, I mean, it's there are two teams from Iowa. So if you're going to root for one of them, you're just rooting for like the corn to grow really high and interrupt the television feed. They are stubborn out in Iowa. It's the Iowa way to do it. But they are. Uh, yeah. So uh, all right. <laughs> which so, team is Harold Hill rooting for? Because that's who I'm rooting for. Which team is Harold Hill rooting for? I would say, I don't know who has the better band. That's a great question. I, I actually think I, I think the answer is, is he's probably rooting for Iowa because um, after the first quarter, they do the the Iowa wave because the children's hospital overlooks the stadium. Everybody in the stadium goes and waves to the to the kids in the in the in the hospital watching on. I think Harold Hill would love that because he could take advantage of all of those parents and all of those kids in the hospital. This is obviously before he falls in love with Marion the librarian because after that he's a changed man. But like seeing all those kids readily available to swindle, like I think Harold Hill is probably pulling for the Hawkeyes just because he wants to uh, get their money for, you know, his, his think method of marching band uh, assemblage. All right. I, I like that analysis. <laughs> I can guarantee you there are very few, if any other college football podcasts, they're going to break down matchups based off of Meredith Wilson's The Music Man, but you're welcome. Now I have to question whether I would also root for the team Harold Hill supports or whether his being on man means I should go the other way. So I'm going to have to do some soul searching on that and we'll get back to you. The thing is, he doesn't know the territory. He does not know the territory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like nobody understands these references except for you and me, Jamie, but that's okay. Um, all right. So I, I'm going to throw in, I probably should have included this one in the last window, but I think I'm going to include it here at six 30 on the CW. You heard me right. The CW will host Cincinnati and Pitt. That game is coming to you kind of in between the two windows 
on the same network that brought you Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, Jane the Virgin, iZombie, The Arrowverse, Cincinnati and Pitt. Good for them. Um, Then at seven, it really kicks off in earnest with number 11, Texas, at number three, Alabama on ESPN. We have number 13, Oregon, traveling to Texas Tech at 7 p.m. on Fox. UCF at Boise State at seven on FS1. Houston and Rice at seven on the NFL Network. Number 19, Wisconsin at Washington State at 7.30 on ABC. McNeese at Florida at 7.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Charlotte at Maryland at 7.30 on NBC. Eastern Michigan at Minnesota at 7.30 on BTN. Temple at Rutgers also at 7.30 on BTN. UCLA at San Diego State at 7.30 on CBS. Air Force will take on Sam Houston at 8 p.m. on CBS Sportsnet. And then, um, yeah, I can probably go two more here before I divide these up. But we can go Southern Miss at number four, Florida State at 830 on the ACC network. And UC Davis at number 16, Oregon State at nine on the Pac-12 network. The after dark games will will bundle together here at the end. So, Jamie, where are you going? I can't imagine what game you will pick first out of this primetime window. So listen, Matt, I am a CW girly. I, me too. I'm not a girly, but yeah, I love the CW. One, At least I used to. Be, you could be a CW girly if you wanted okay. to be. It's a girly's, a girly's an energy. Okay, good to know. Good to know. What's your favorite CW show of all time? Is it One Tree Hill? It is One Tree Hill. I spent most of high school and all of college like traveling to where they film. Many of my friends, including the mutual friend, that we share Matt Rebecca Michelson. Uh, oh, she's obsessed. Our friendship. Well, that's how we're, that is how our friendship. Was I knew that. Yeah. But also like shout out to Dawson's Creek for giving us the iconic Mary Beth Peel character Grams, because I would be nothing without Mary Beth Peel, my queen, my Lord and savior. So it hurts me to not choose that game, but I, I do have to go Texas, Alabama just on account of like this is this is the football yeah Yeah. this is a team this is a texas team that has maybe the best receiving core um other than osu like they just they're so stacked they've got xavier worthy who last week was caught five passes for 97 yards but they also have Isaiah Nair, Adonai Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders. This is like maybe the best receiving core that Alabama is going to have to deal with this year. I just, I think that's a big enough challenge for Alabama. But I also think I kind of underestimated Alabama. And they played a pretty perfect game against Middle Tennessee. This was a game where they had zero turnovers, two penalties in the whole game. They've got a kind of a questionable receiving core, but I think their quarterback Jalen Milrow looks excellent. And so I think that we are going to have ourselves a football game here. So that, I mean, that's where, that's where I'm, I'm watching. I think that's fair. I, 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 I think that that is obviously the best game of the evening. I will say you talk about Texas's wide receivers and everybody knows how highly touted Quinn Ewers was coming out of high school, went to Ohio State for just so he could kind of like cash in on a kombucha NIL deal and then went back to Texas. The thing is, is like 
during his year-ish, year-plus as a starter at Texas, he's really struggled to get the ball downfield. He's looked good short and intermediate, but he's really not been able to throw the deep ball like you would want, especially generally at a place like Texas, but especially with that type of receiving core. So I do think it's interesting whether or not he will be able to kind of maximize that the offensive weapons against a defense as stout as Alabama's. So that'll be an interesting game to watch, certainly at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Um, I'm, I went back and forth on this one for my pick, though, Jamie, because I think, like, at first I was like, okay, this is obvious. I'm going to go Oregon, number 13, at Texas Tech on the road. But Texas Tech lost last week to Wyoming. Um, not that Wyoming's a bad football team. I think they're actually pretty good. But Texas Tech ran out to a 17-0 lead in the first quarter and then ended up losing that game. So I don't think I'm going to go there. I think I'm going to go with Wisconsin and Wazoo. So this game will be played out in Pullman. Um, Washington State is coming off a 50-24 to victory over Colorado State. Wisconsin is coming off of a, a, a game that was a little fraught, uh, a 38-17 to win over Buffalo. They, they were only up 17-10. to I'm sorry. They were only up 14 to 10 at halftime of that game. But I think that seeing what Luke Fickle's team can do on the road for the first time um, with Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, trying to do a little bit more. The ground game was still fairly good for, for Wisconsin. They had two guys go over 140 yards on the ground. Still really good. Tanner Mordecai wasn't great through the year. 24 of 31 isn't bad, but only 189 yards. He had a touchdown and two interceptions. So I'm interested to kind of see the further development of what a Luke Fickle Wisconsin team looks like. Obviously, they're not going to be a finished product only one week or two weeks into the season. But going on the road to the Pac-12, to Pullman, where they will probably be pretty excited. I think I'm going to take that one. Uh, It it might not be the sexiest of games. Uh, I don't think any game with Wisconsin and or Washington State has ever really been described as sexy, Jamie. But like, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be one that'll be compelling. I think, you know, UCF Boise might also be a fun one in there. Wouldn't mind seeing... SMU and, and Oklahoma. That game is actually like a six o'clock ESPN plus game. So that one's weird. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting ones, but I, I, if I had to pick one other than Texas, Alabama, I think I'm going Badgers Cougs. I like that. I like that as a, as an option. I think some, I think some interesting things are going to go down in that game. So uh, things are always weird in Pullman. Things are always yeah. weird. Keep your eye on that one. It's the legacy of Mike Leach. He he left some weirdness behind when he when he uh, when he left Washington State. All right, so let's run through all of the after dark games. The thing is, is like there's a lot of games um, that or half the games aren't even on TV. Uh, at least not anything that you can probably get. But let's go. Let's start at nine o'clock on the Pac-12 network, which that's when at least has a network, but you probably can't get it. Although, Jamie, you might be able to being in Los Angeles, but we have UC Davis versus number 16, Oregon State. I talked about how much I I, I liked Oregon State in their week one win, especially with DJ Uyunglele. Then we have Eastern Washington and Fresno State. I don't think that's on TV. Then we've got Stanford at number six, USC at 1030 p.m. on Fox. Then we've got Auburn and Cal at 1030 p.m. on ESPN. It's a classic SEC Big Ten matchup there. And then games that I don't believe are on TV, at least that, at least not as of now, Oklahoma State and Arizona State at 1030. And then the University of Albany at Hawaii at midnight. So 
Not a lot to pick from here, Jamie. So where are you going? So, I mean, there there are a couple of games yeah. that I would watch, but I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to watch USC Stanford in this slot. Um, this These are Pac-12 rivals. Here's the thing. This SC team on paper is definitely the better team. I don't know that this will actually be a great game. But what we do know is that sometimes when you have rivals playing, chaos erupts. And this is also the last year that USC is in the Pac-12. So this is the last year that it will technically be a Pac-12 rivalry. Maybe Stanford and my favorite mascot of all time, their crazy tree, show up and just like wreak havoc. I would like to see it. Um, And I also think, you know, I don't think this is a Stanford team that you can totally write off. They definitely had some problems last season with their ground game. They seemed to have gotten off to a more solid start in the opener. Now, granted, like, were they playing SC? No. Um, But they are, they do have junior running back EJ Smith. He is the son of the NFL legend Emmett Smith. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I mean, he's right up there with um so he Smith led the squad last week with 11 carries. He had 118 yards, two scores. Now again, will they be able to pull that off against USC? Remains to be seen. It's an Alex Grinch defense, so I wouldn't put it past him. Right. Like it is possible, but then you've got where USC is concerned, like maybe a guy who's going to win the Heisman twice. So with Caleb Williams at quarterback, my money is pretty much always going to be on USC in a matchup like this. But I I think Stanford got some pretty good early returns last week when they won against Hawaii on the road. So I'm not writing this Stanford team off yet even though I do think SC will win this football game. And as someone who loves the Stanford tree, I would love to see them just create some chaos for me late night on Saturday. I mean, that's what the after dark window is for is, is chaos. And there is nothing in the world of college football that embodies chaos more than the Stanford tree. So I am 100% with you. I'm going to go the other marquee game of the late night window, and that is Auburn and Cal. This one is going to be on ESPN at 1030. Um, Both of these teams had interesting week ones. Both of them had very big wins. Cal beat North Texas 58 to 21, while Auburn beat UMass 59 to 14. Again, UMass, North Texas, not exactly the best competition, but both teams looked pretty good. Offenses were stout. Offenses um, did what they were supposed to do in a game like that. Cal was led by their new transfer quarterback, former NC State uh, QB Ben Finley. He went for um, 279 yards through the air on 24 of 34 passing, one, one touchdown, one interception. But they were just as impressive on the ground. They went for a total of 357 yards 
on the ground. Jaden Ott went for 188. Then they had two guys go for around for 50, then another for 36, another for 18. It just kind of kept racking up, and it was nice to see them get a lot of guys in the game. Similarly for Auburn, they did not put up nearly as many yards, 492, 203 passing, 289 rushing. Their starting quarterback, who was also a transfer quarterback, he was from Michigan State, two guys uh, transferring in there. Peyton Thorne went for just 141 yards, but they really didn't need that much because they were blowing UMass out. So it was one of those games where they had short fields, were able to capitalize on it when they needed to, but it was fairly well distributed. Were able to get at, get their starters out fairly early. Peyton Thorne only only attempted 17 passes on the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what these two teams actually look like going up against stiffer competition than they had in week one. And uh, to see kind of how they all come together. I think I have serious reservations about Hugh Freeze as a human being and a coach at at the college football level in terms of being a leader of young men. But his teams usually do pretty well and and they usually exceed expectations. So I'm certainly not going to call for Auburn to win the SEC West or anything like that. But I do think that they could surprise some people, Jamie, this season. And this will be the first opportunity for them to prove that they can do it against a competent team. I don't think Cal's like USC level coming out of the SEC, but I do think they are pretty decent and will certainly give them a much better test than UMass. Yeah. I mean, like, I I think Auburn's had a rough couple of seasons. um, And I do think that they're going to have to be really adaptable. Um, I have a soft spot for Auburn as a school um, because when I first moved to LA and no one would watch football with me, a dear friend who went to Auburn would watch football with me. So I'm kind of always like low key rooting for Auburn to do well. And with that said, like they've definitely had some issues last year, but I think that like you were saying, Matt, this Cal team really like they're not USC level, but they are a really solid football team. They've got a really solid defense. And so I think they're going to give Auburn a challenge, which again, it like makes for great football. I think Auburn probably will survive, but I think it could come down to a late scoring drive or a misplaced uh, turnover for Cal. Like, I don't think it's going to be a done deal early in the game. Nope. I, I definitely agree with you there. All right, Jamie, any parting thoughts about week two of the college football season before we get out of here? My parting thought is to my beloved Buckeyes. Oh, please. I am begging you. I am begging you to not make me want to rip my hair out this week. That is all. Jamie, as you all know, I have no hair, but I will still likely pull it out anyway because uh, I can't take another weekend of that. Please don't make Matt glue hair to his head just so he can rip it out, Ohio State. I mean, I've done crazier Not things. cool. No, I've done crazier things. We will see. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the No Fall Weddings Podcast from the Fans First Sports Network. If you want to follow along and hear all of the different shows coming to you from our new college football feed, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else we are available. We have so much different content coming to you that you can be the most well-informed and well-rounded college football fan out there. 
just by tuning into the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. If you want to follow us on social media, follow Fans First SN. If you want to follow me, you can find me at BWW Matt. Jamie, where can people find you? People can find me on social media at Jamie Urich. All right, everybody, have a wonderful college football weekend. Enjoy it. And remember, what starts with a fall wedding ends with a spring divorce.